In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the greatest challenges, level charges rather, one of the greatest charges leveled against the church throughout the ages, and even today, is that it is full of hypocrisy, and therefore hypocrites. On the one hand, they have a point. I have told many an accuser that I agreed that the church was full of hypocrites, because even as a Christian, I knew myself to be one. And knowing my accuser friend, I think he would fit in swimmingly as well. Even so, I think that the emphasis on hypocrisy in the church is because there is a general misunderstanding over what Christianity is, what Christianity is about. In our gospel text this morning, we see two different approaches to faith explicitly and a third implicitly. We see in the scribe and the rich people who made an offering at the temple two understandings of what it means to be a person of faith. And in the world today, such people still exist. They are those who think that Christianity is simply about being religious, as we see in the scribe, and those that think Christianity is simply about right living, as we see in the offerings of the wealthy. The scribes in Jesus' day were religious figures who were shown great respect and deference in public. Outwardly, they distinguished themselves by their distinctive dress and their religiosity. And there are still those today that think Christianity is about being religious. Outward acts of piety, getting up early in the morning for their, small t- their, their Bible study, sometimes going to church, saying long prayers, that those things in and of themselves make up the essence of Christianity. When Lauren and I were first married, it was our first Christmas, and we were on our way to Uncle Rick and Aunt Beth's. And Lauren said, now, uh, Uncle Rick is, is a believer in the Lord Jesus, but uh, because you're ordained, you're going to be called upon to do the grace before the meal. I mean, when you're ordained in the family, you become family chaplain, whether you like it or not. And, um, and she said, now, Andrew, uh, they're pretty serious, so don't go in with one of those Episcopal prayers. You're really going to have to uh, think about what you're going to say. And, um, and so I did. I thought long and hard about it and wanted to make sure I didn't leave anybody off of, out of the prayer. And, and so we went in, and there we were, gathered as a family around the dining room table. And uh, I began to pray. And I'll be honest with you, I really went for it. And, and I was going on and on and on. And uh, finally, Uncle Rick, at the head of the table, uh, just yelled, Amen! And then turned right and headed to the buffet line. But you know, it was... Um, I was taken back by Uncle Rick's amen interruption, but it was right for him to do it because I wasn't praying to God. I was praying to Uncle Rick. Jesus tells us here that no matter how holy we might seem to those around us, that is not enough to qualify us as Christians. In fact, if we are relying on any outside religious pursuit for salvation, 
what we will find instead is a greater condemnation. It's not enough to want to be thought of as a Christian based upon perceived devotion. So too many in the world today think that Christianity is simply about right living or good behavior. Jesus was in the temple complex and while in the court of women, he sat down to watch the people bring their offerings in. There were 13 trumpet-shaped receptacles where people could place their money. And because of their shape, one could hear how much money somebody put in. Many rich people had come and placed large sums. But then a widow comes along and puts in just two little copper coins. He calls his disciples' attention to this and tells them that she has given the greater amount How can this be? The disciples must have asked themselves. We've been sitting here and watching and and we've heard the great sums deposited and you couldn't even hear how much she put in. It was so little. Surely she did not put in more than anyone else. Today there are those in the world who think that to do good and to live right is what being a Christian is all about. And many of these individuals do these good works in order that they might be seen doing something good and therefore merit the approval of those around them. And many of us will go out of our way to do Christian things in order that no one would question our Christian faith. I don't remember the occasion, but it was a good one because I was in the pew at St. Helena's in Beaufort and not sitting up front and had the occasion to worship with my wife, which is a rarity. Uh, But uh, I was taken back because it had been some time since the collection plate had passed by me. And I saw it coming and I... Even though Lauren and I were doing direct deposit, we were giving to the church, we were, we were honoring the Lord with, with what he had given us, I, I still felt funny about the plate going by and me not putting anything in. And so I asked Lauren, do you have a, a couple dollar bills or something? No, I, I don't, because nobody in, in my generation has cash. But uh, So uh, as the plate got closer, I spied an offering envelope in the pew rack in front of me, and so I quickly grabbed it, sealed it empty, and placed it in as it went by. Even though I knew that I was giving, and even though I felt comfortable in my giving, I didn't want anyone to see when that plate went by that I didn't put anything in. And so I was giving nothing, uh, not uh, to the Lord, uh, but so that others might see my good work and praise me. No amount of religiosity or right living will earn the favor of God. All of our attempts will be in vain. We see here that Jesus looks upon the heart of the individual, not upon outward projections. This doesn't mean that he sees some as good-hearted and others as bad-hearted. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Not one of us, by nature, is good-hearted. We are all prone to hypocrisy in the serving of ourselves. It is when God intervenes in the life of an individual, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the person finds themselves changed. At the very least, the scales fall from their eyes. And they can be honest with themselves and confess their hypocrisy. What we see in the act of this poor widow 
is that she had a change of heart. She was able to come forward with her meager, some might say meaningless offering, in confidence, not in her own resources, but in the one who has provided for her. This change of heart comes not through religiosity or right living, but through a relationship with the living God, Jesus Christ. This woman contributed out of her poverty, which is the posture and position of the Christian. In order to become rich, she must become poor. In order to gain her life, she must lose it. The only way that this heart change happens is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if we are looking to Him for grace, and if we're not looking to Him for grace and salvation, then we are looking to ourselves and will ultimately resort to self-centered righteousness or outward behavioral modification in order to justify ourselves. One sign of this is that a Christian has no problem admitting their hypocrisy. They don't boast in it, but they are able to admit it because they understand their need for a Savior. Every Christian, at some point in time, doubts themselves, and they will fear their own standing with God. They will, at times, be terribly alarmed by their inward thoughts and their attempts to mask them with outward godly behavior. But this is, in fact, the mark of a real Christian, the struggle with sin. Whereas the mark of the hypocrite is that they will not see this disconnect and will attempt to sink their confidence in their own sincerity and ability to perform. Christianity is not simply about being religious or living right, but it is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And once you enter into that relationship, you experience a heart change. And you can say, as Charles Wesley did, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray, I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. When your heart is changed, in the words of the Pointer Sisters, it is automatic. Uh, You are able to turn, and then your heart begins to desire those things, to live for the Lord. Like this woman, who most of us would have been ashamed to put so little in that offering, she went with boldness and confidence, knowing where her identity lay, and in giving to the Lord Jesus. And so this morning, if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and you know that you have been trying to please God through your religiosity and good behavior, know that Jesus has come to set you free from that. He has come to establish your heart in His grace, that like this impoverished widow, you might know what it is to be a child of God and live in the grip of His unconditional love and go through this world trusting in Him who loves even the hypocrite. Amen.